Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to a special edition of Shattered Lives, the Irish Daily Star's crime podcast. I'm Paul Healy, chief reporter with the Irish Daily Star, and I'm joined today by Michael O'Toole, crime correspondent with the Irish Daily Star. And we are speaking about the... Well, a case that everybody knows a little bit about something about, uh, which is the disappearance of Madeleine McCann. Uh, Three-year-old Madeleine McCann disappeared on the 3rd of May 2007 from an apartment flat there in the Ocean Club in Praia de Luz. And since then, every theory under the sun has been floated uh, in relation to her disappearance. But what's the reason why we're talking about it now? Well, it seems to be probably the most significant development in at least the last decade hopefully, uh, in this case, uh, with a recent search there uh, in the Portugal area assisted or facilitated really by uh, the German investigation uh, into the suspect Christian Bruckner. And so we're going to discuss that development, but also the case itself, because Michael has quite a bit of history with this case in particular. He went over to Portugal. He was one of the reporters one of the many reporters from all over the world who were first at the scene. And so he has a unique insight into the atmosphere at the beginning of all of that. So, yeah, I I suppose we'll start there, Mick. Um, Can you recall being asked by the news desk, by the editor, to go over to Portugal for this? Yes, I can. And I'll tell you why. Um, So I went over, I mean, the the really, this is interesting for me. I went over in September. Okay. So that was, May, June, July, four months, probably a wee bit more because it was probably middle September. And there was still a, a media frenzy about this. So just to give you an example, the reason why I went over, I went with photographer Jim Coll- uh, Walpole and we were over there. I think we were there for about a week. And the reason I, w- I was sent over is uh, the, the star asked me to write, uh, a, it was a book be given away with the paper. Now it was about it was about thirty thousand words. So it, it, it was a very it was a sort of long form journalism which we give away with the paper in the form of a book or a booklet. You know what I mean? It wasn't a big book, but it was thirty thousand words, and it was still immediate stuff. So I was do I spent typical of the star they give you about ten days to write the bloody thing. So it was, it was you know it was it was murder trying to get it done. But we got there in the end. But it was one of the, one of the things they wanted me to go over to Praia de Luz and just to see the lie of the land. And I'm glad I did because I, I got a very and we'll talk about this. I got a very very strong emotion of anger when I was there. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that in a while. But um, yeah, very very angry. I have to say, my wee girl, my my wee girl, my eldest was born in 2005, in September 2005. So she was just a wee bit younger than Maddie when she went, when she disappeared. So I, I got really, really angry when I was over there. But we're there for a week. And I, now at that stage, the, the family had, I think the family, Kate and Jerry McCann, the parents and the two other children, flew out of uh, Praia de Luz, Praia de Faro, probably around the same time we were there, because I think it was September 2007, that they left, so it was roughly the same time. So, they're, they're, you could feel their 
their spirits around the place, but they weren't there themselves. You'll remember, listeners may remember, that one of the big focal points of the the, the, the publicity campaign or the whole media story was there was a, a, an Anglican church a couple hundred yards away in Pride de Luge itself, and the, the McCanns would have gone there an awful lot. And I remember it's a beautiful church, absolutely beautiful, white, you know, just classically Mediterranean, shall we say, all white sandstone and that sort of stuff. And I remember going to it. And at this stage, and you'll know about this, Paul, at this stage, the population had turned. Okay, so you and I are at a murder scene or whatever, and I say if it's a biggie, you could be there for two days, you could be there for three days. The first day, people are normally fine. People are normally talkative. I think in day two, and when definitely you get to day three, they go against you. They don't want to know. They're probably had it up to here with journalists trying to talk to them. And so they become uh, un- uncommunicative. I'll put it that way. That was very much that was very much the case in Pride Deluge there. People did not want to know. And there were there were I remember there was there was a whole rake of posters. I remember at the time watching it as a as a civilian, watching it, and there were posters everywhere in Pride Deluge for just that that iconic picture of Manny. You can see her we uh, her left eye, the, the one that has the wee click in it, glitch glitch in it. So when I got there, most of the posters had been taken down. And I think the people of Pride Deluge turned, definitely turned against the media, but I do think they turned against the McCann family as well. Mm. The, the, the sad thing about all of this, I find, and, and I mean, I, I suppose, look, I am a journalist and so I, I'm looking at it from that angle, but I'm also looking at it in the same way, I suppose, every member of the public who has had any interest in this has over the years. Um, and, and I find that the saddest thing about all of this is that the finger was pointed at the parents um, without any real evidence and it grew legs over the years um, and, and, and I think their names were blacklisted by a huge chunk of, of people all across the world because a certain narrative was put out and we can speak about this like there, there, there's two there's two different things at play here I suppose and, and both Kate and Jerry have said this in numerous interviews since um that they would regret the way that they they would have left her in the apartment and they would have been checking in on her routinely and they did defend that but um it's indefensible uh, it, parents Sorry. parents parents it, i understand parents anger f- for that in it's particular. indefensible paul yes no i and this is why i'm going to tell you about why i'm angry why i got so angry and i'll tell you why yeah. so we went to pride deluge and we're at the ocean sick club and there is, there's a sort of we were outside Covered, but you couldn't get in by fencing. There was a people may have seen it. There was a, a tennis court where Maddie was playing. Then over in the right, and I still remember this. Over in the right was the infamous tapas bar where the McCanns and the others had been. And we knew that apartment five A. So I'm looking at it. So the apartment, the, the tapas bar is on the right, over way over, maybe a hundred feet over. And we're looking at the. Uh, up, you can see the top of the apartment where the, where Maddie was. Now, it was. The tapas bar was way down low. Their apartment was way up. I'm, I'm talking probably, there's probably a height difference of maybe 50 feet, but it's over 100, 100 feet away. You could see, if you, from my perspective, you could see the top of the patio window on the ground floor from where they were. And I, my overriding anger, and I say this in the book, my overriding emotion when I was there I, I just, I felt this anger boiling up in me. 
that they would decide to leave three children in that place and go and check on them. They checked on them regularly. Uh, and I remember it was a subject of massive conversation. People going, would you, would you leave your kids like that? And it was like, you were sort of checking to see if others would. And anyway, so I, for me, that wasn't, I know they've spoken of the regret. I got really angry looking at that because I was going, ah, hold on a minute here. Yeah, and, 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 and as you say, that, that, that obviously with any parent eviscerates strong emotions. But I think it's another, and, and I know you're not saying this, but it's another thing entirely to then point the finger at them and say that they are responsible for the for the disappearance uh, of their daughter. Um, they have to and have had to live with their decision for the last 16 years. And I can't imagine the pain. It must be un bearable unbelievable um and, and they've done they did many interviews but they haven't done interviews now in years because every time they did an interview their body language was examined uh by every armchair detective under the sun um but certainly I, i've seen interviews with with experts on, in relation to this people who've actually covered the case and investigated the case there is no evidence and there never has been any evidence to suggest that Kate and Jeremy can't had anything to do with their daughter's disappearance and to to be accused of that I can't imagine it but also to have their their every movement and their body language examined just because maybe they're not crying their eyes out in, in an interview you know Mick when you interview someone, the amount of preparation that, that they, they go through in their head and they have, they're thinking about what they're going to say, just because they don't cry on camera or on cue doesn't mean that it isn't an incredibly emotional thing for them. I mean... You see, you know right, I'm going to take issue with one thing you've said, mm, right? That's fine. Uh, we can argue. <laughs> oh, we will. No, I, and I often find this, and I, I often find it in the, in the troubles here, right? If British journalists, because we're crime reporters, we can talk about this. If British journalists were scrutinising the Guardi, the British journalists would always have a slightly haughty, and they would, they did, on occasions they did call the Guardi the Keystone Cops. They were called the Keystone Cops, right? Now, I find there is a sense, the same sense with the view of the Portuguese police. See, you said there was no evidence. The Portuguese police went to a judge, put evidence to them, and that judge decided on that evidence to declare the Marguidos, which is not, it means uh, persons of interest, shall we say. They're not formally charged. It's a different thing. And I always find this interesting when people say, you know, look, if, if, if Gardy nominated someone as a suspect, because you and I know how the Gardy work, I think he would say, all right, I can see what they've done. They've done this. But I, I'm not saying about this, the cans themselves, the, 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 the case against them, they're no longer aguidos, right? They're no longer persons of interest. However, I do find it slightly irritating when people say that the Portuguese cops made them aguidos without any evidence. It's as if they don't have the same normal rules of evidence that you that the Guardi or the English police would have. And I do sense that there is a sense, I always got that sense that it's particularly British journalists look down on the Portuguese police. Perhaps that's true, but I, I think the consensus has is is since and this is with experts this is from watching documentaries and interviews with persons who've investigated the case um that they feel that the police focus in the beginning was all about the parents and it was not about the possibility that she could have been kidnapped or that she could have that something else could have befallen her they only had the parents in mind and in those crucial 24 hours 48 hours and the weeks that followed where they could have investigated the the alternative they didn't because they were already looking at the parents as being responsible and so they can never get those hours and weeks back where in 
the real suspect or the real story wasn't investigated in the crucial hours where they could have actually found evidence. See, I, I don't know about that, Paul, because at the time, right, um, and I, it, it broke of all places on TVAM or Good Morning Britain, because one of the, a, a, I think a relative of Jerry McCann rang saying, "Look, this girl's missing. You've got to help us." And that was the start of it. And it, and by the way, it captivated Britain and Ireland. I mean, every day it captivated every single day. So. I, I looked at it from a crime reporter's eyes as well, okay? So I can tell you from my reading of it at the time, I never got the sense in the first couple of weeks that they were focusing on the family. I have to say that. I, I, in fact, they got the exact opposite. Really? No, no, this, I watched it live. And uh, I, you know where you can, you can see something and you can, you and I could see as crime reporters, you and I would look at something and go, ah, yeah, that's that. Or oh, that's why they're saying that. At no stage did I get that. They, they were the centre of the investigation in the sense that they were the centre of efforts to try and find their daughter. I don't think that at that stage the police were, were looking at them. I think they looked at, they obviously looked at them later on. And um, as we said, in, in August 2007, there was a major event and it was British sniffer dogs from Leicestershire were brought over. The reason, now the reason why, do you know why Leicestershire police were involved? No. Because they live in Leicester. Oh, okay, right. They live in Leicestershire and so they were sent over. They were sent over within a day. There was a team sent over within a day. But anyway, so in August, um, things started to turn. But I remember in August, there was a thing, there was the whole thing about the cadaver dogs. Right? And I had loads of eyes about cadaver dogs. But there were cadaver dogs brought in and they, the reports said that they found the scent of blood in the apartment and also in a car that had been used by the McCanns after Maddie went missing. So I, I, I do think it's obviously attention shifted, but I can tell you my memory is there was nothing negative about the McCanns in the first, let's say the first month. So I, I, I would just, I don't, I, I, I don't know where that's coming from. But didn't it emerge... Didn't it emerge that the blood, they could never tell whether it was uh, whether it was fr- from a human. They never were able to exactly determine that, that it was such a small trace of, of whatever it was. And then the car, they rented the car something like yeah, 30 yeah, yeah. days after yeah. the disappearance of Madeline in, in the absolute height of the biggest media storm there's ever been for a missing child. And we're supposed to believe that they possibly somehow bundled her into a car amidst all of the media cameras. It just seems farcical. No, no, no. It's not farcical. It's evidence, Paul, right? Mm. And uh, the the evidence was, was sent and it was mm. the Leicestershire, which just by coincidence happens to be a world expert area for DNA. Mm. And the DNA, it was, I always remember, it was LCN, low copy, cell count or low copy count number. So it's very, very microscopically small. And I can remember at the time because... I won't say who it was, but there was a journalist broke a story saying, and it was wrong, saying the DNA was a match to Madeline. And I went, holy shit, right? And he said it live on air and it was completely wrong. However, uh, it was only when it went to Leicestershire to the DNA experts there and they said, we cannot say whose it is. Yes. So, so you know what I'm saying? So this case is fascinating for the case itself, but also the outside factors. Now, you and I... I've often spoken about an, a young Irish girl called Amy Fitzpatrick, and I won't go into too much detail about this. But 
it's fair to say that Amy Fitzpatrick has not got 5% of the coverage that Matty McCann has. No, yeah. Why do you think that is? I th- I think I think because of her age, maybe she's older. Uh, she's she's not a, a young blue-eyed child. Um, I I I I suppose maybe certain assumptions are made about the case of Amy as well. Oh, I think there's a class issue here. I absolutely think there's a class issue here, and I'm sorry to say, I, I it's class. You know, it's it's the middle of class. Like for example. If that had been a working class family who left their children in the apartment and went 150 feet away, I would contend they would get a much rougher time. I know they spoke of their regret and I know, you know, you know what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the way there was focus on them. I thought if that had been debts are from Donamede, right? Or whatever, or, or a fella from Mossside in Manchester, right? Or, or for whatever, Tar Hamlets, whatever you want to say. I think our colleagues in the media would have been much harsher on them. Is that not a fair suggestion? I, I think, yeah, that's fair. I, I also look at it on the other side of things and I'm like, well, okay, people say, oh, wouldn't it be great if other cases got the same level of attention? Well, yes, it would. But, it's, you know, th- this case does deserve this level of attention. She is a three-year-old girl who's missing. She does deserve to be found. And thank God there's an effort to find her. People might say I'm being naive here and they haven't found her in 16 years. They're not going to find her now. I am hopeful that this investigation is leading to something. Um, but well, well, answer me this. Answer me this, right? You, are, are, are you, maybe I'm cynical and, and everything, right? Oh, you're definitely cynical. Are, are, are you, uh, it better than being naive, are you putting all your eggs in Christian Buchner? No, uh, like, look, I'm not... Uh, Detective, I, but it, it, I think. Ah, uh, yet, yeah. Hold on a minute. Right, we're going to get annoyed now. Yet, you dismissed the Spanish, the Portuguese police, and now you're saying you're not a detective. Because I think that 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 investigation has been widely dismissed by pe- by persons who are far more educated on the topic than I, uh, and and that investigation went nowhere. And, and Gonzalo Zago Amaral w- was kind of widely looked down upon for his investigation and his viewpoints. I mean, he, he has stuck to his view that it was the parents, yet I don't see any definitive piece of evidence that the parents had anything to do with the disappearance of their child. And to scapegoat them in the way that he has and others have, I think, is a disgrace. Uh, and and those that, that's all I'll say. In the absence of evidence, in the absence However, of evidence. Okay, so uh, you're dismissing all the, uh, the experience and expertise that that man, he was the top investigator for the Portuguese police. Mm. And I think uh, your attitude chimes with an awful lot of the, the British media coverage of the Portuguese police. Now, you and I haven't, rec- I've looked at this more than you, but you and I have not delved deep enough into this to see what the Portuguese police had. They wanted 40, remember the 40 questions? Yes, I do remember the 40 questions, yes, okay. that she did. Okay, so, so anyway, yeah. And that's her right, and that's fine. I probably would have done the same. But here's a question for you, right? Um, the reason I was asking about Christian Bruckner, because there is a piece of evidence, and it's quite significant, and it's Irish. There is a man, the Smith family from Drogheda, the famous Smith family from Drogheda, okay? So they were in Pride de Luge at the time, and they were, I, they were coming home from an Irish pub. I was at that Irish pub. It's the only Irish pub in the place, very nice. And they were, around the time of Maddie's disappearance, they were walking towards uh, the ocean, Park. Ocean Club, yeah. Uh, Ocean Club. And they were spread out. I actually walked on the road. They were spread out like you would on holiday. Maybe four or five of them abreast. 
right? And they saw a man walking towards them, carrying a child, and they, you know, basically the same clothes. I think it was the pink pajamas, right? And the and the child had her head on the man's shoulder, so they could only see the back of her head. You know, she was he was carrying her that way, right? Now that man. He, he says he may, may now be mistaken, but they basically raised the prospect of that being Jerry McCann. Jerry McCann. Now, obviously, obviously, they, they've denied that, and the family now say they might not. But one thing is significant: uh, colleagues of ours in the Sunday World asked the Smith family, Mister Smith, about Christian Bruckner, and he said, "No, that's not the man I saw." So that is evidence. It is it's, it's evidence, and it's interesting, but it. As you just said there yourself, that they now accept that maybe they might have been mistaken. I mean, people see things all the time. It doesn't necessarily. I'm not saying it should be dismissed, but it, you know, there were there were other sightings and other drawings of alleged suspects that are different from others. It's hard to put put any weight on on any of them without further evidence. Yes, but several people in that party give statements, so it wasn't just one person. Say, for example, uh, there was Jane Tanner, one of the top of seven, saw a man. And that who carrying a child, and and that was later discounted. But that was one person. This is several people giving this statement, and it well, did match. The clothing matched, and it was the the child roughly the same size. You know, I think the same physical size of Maddie. So the Portuguese police did a put put a lot of weight in that. Now he couldn't say definitively who it was one way or the other, but from my reading, I was just doing research for it. He's happy enough because he said it was between five seven and five nine, and Christian Bruckner is definitely much taller than that. So you know he was happy to say I don't need to add anything to my original statement. In other words, I didn't see Christian. That's not the man that I saw. So look, who knows? We can talk about Christian Bruckner a while, but I've always thought about that Smith family uh, sighting has been very significant, and I think that the, the English police and the Portuguese police regarded it as significant. Don't know who it is, but I'm just saying. He appears to think that it wasn't Bruckner. It's interesting, and and it's just to go back to what you're saying. I'm not putting all my eggs in the Bruckner basket and saying uh, I'm hopeful that the police in Germany are onto something, and they have. Um, and we'll talk about Bruckner in a minute. They they supposedly have evidence that none of us are aware of, and that's that's the hard part about all of this is that they have this police work works. You know this yourself. They have evidence that we don't know about. So, in the absence of information, people are speculating. But Paul, there's my point. We don't know all the evidence that the Portuguese police had. And that's why what I'm saying about, you know, people's views in the Portuguese police. You and I get, if we're lucky, 5% of information that was up. Now, the, the files have been released, but we don't know what the context was and what they were looking at. But the cadaver dog thing went nowhere. The blood thing went nowhere. No, no, no. The, no, no I, I don't think it's, no, no. You can't be saying it didn't go nowhere. It, it didn't go nowhere. Weird. It didn't result in, hold on, oh, we're getting into on. a row now. No, no. The, guard, <laughs> the police did their bit, right? And then the dogs give an indication and then it went to experts. So it didn't, it, it's not that it went nowhere. They, it was inconclusive because they couldn't say. Yeah. So look, it's obviously a highly uh, contested case. People have their opinions. You have yours. It's, it's weighted. It's weighted in the evidence that, you, that, that, that was gathered. Unfortunately, it hasn't led to any conviction or anybody being arrested in relation to it the most significant development in this case was in 2020 when christian b christian bruckner was announced as being the suspect by the german police he's a convicted sex offender um 
and he's in prison for uh, raping a 72-year-old woman in the Praia de Luz area of Portugal. So um, he was living in the area at the time in 2007. And he is a convicted paedophile as well, a string of sexual offences to his name, including this uh, rape of a woman in her 70s. Um, so he has been named as a suspect for a, 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 a series of reasons. We don't know, as I said to you already, the we don't know all of the evidence that the German prosecutor has, the German police have. Um, they they named him as Christian B and his face then emerged uh, not long after that. But his full name is Christian Bruckner. He's still referred in some media as Christian B because that is they've never actually officially named him as Christian Bruckner. But um, he was residing in Praia de Luz 2007 and he is supposed to have confessed uh, to a friend of his in a bar uh, that he knew all about uh, what happened to Madeleine McCann. Um, his camper van was in the area, was spotted in the area. Uh, he was known to be residing in it. And then probably the most crucial piece of information that we do know that the German police have is in relation to his phone, uh, a phone number connected to him, I should say, that uh, was pinging in an area not far from the Ocean Club at the time of her disappearance. And given his history, given the alleged confession, uh, given who he, uh, given all of that, um, he is the prime suspect in the case. He has vehemently denied any involvement and has spoken out from prison saying that he had nothing to do with this uh, whatsoever. Uh, look, he's... But he would he say would that, say wouldn't that, he? Wouldn't he? Um, I think what is interesting about this search is that the Germans are starting to hopefully put their money where their mouth is um, in that they are showing that this is still an active investigation and that it's much more than just naming this guy. What I find fascinating about this is that the Germans don't, re they're very methodical and very careful about what they release into the public domain. For them to put his name out there is actually a rather extraordinary step and something they don't often do. Um, the fact that they put it out there, it, it it's almost exuding a certain level of confidence. And, and the German prosecutor, Hans Christian Walters, has said they believe this is their man, this is the suspect. Um, so what information do they have that we don't know about? Well, we might have got some hint in relation to that with the search of this reservoir. I'm going to badly pronounce it now, but it's the Baragem do Arede Reservoir, which is about 30 miles outside of uh, Praia de Luz, the Ocean Club. Um, and this was said to be Christian Bruckner's little paradise. He'd called it his little paradise. And the police supposedly have pictures and video of him uh, at this particular reservoir over the years, including at the time of Madeline's disappearance. And he was said to have been seen there days after her disappearance. So what I find really interesting about this search is that they were only there for three days. And it seems to be a targeted search. So supposedly way back when uh, the Portuguese police actually did search this particular reservoir and they did a search of the whole lake area, the whole thing. Um, whereas this was a much more targeted, smaller search uh, of a wooded kind of area um, just off the banks of this of the of the water there and they they cleared off all these trees they 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 used heavy machinery to clear off this whole area and reporters have been in it since i've seen video footage of reporters going down to the search site and you can see all of these um 
little holes, these deep holes that they dug, but very small, like, uh, like it's not like they dug up the whole area. They have particularly targeted areas where they dug all these little holes. Um, so it's like as if they had very, very specific information about something and the exact location of said something. And what I see printed in the in the British media is, this could be speculation, but it is based off sources. Uh, these aren't my sources, but uh, supposedly they were looking for rags, which could be the pink Marks and Spencer pajamas that Madeleine McCann was wearing on the night of her disappearance. Um, if they do discover that, they, they have to bring it back and check it and do uh, DNA, etc. So supposedly they have this, the, the police have indicated that they did recover items of interest to the investigation. So whatever this targeted search has uncovered, they seem to have found it or found something. And it'll be a period of time now before we find out whether those tests yield anything. But it's very interesting. What what I found really interesting about the whole process was the German police have said Maddie is dead. Yes, there's a degree now, of confidence there in that. There is. And, and what you were saying about the, the German police being very careful. And I don't think it's enough for Bruckner to have told some lad in a bar. Cause, and, and just to explain, the circumstances were a story. He was in the bar with a fella. A story about Madeline came, came on TV and he indicated very strongly that he knew all about that. And, and then, do you know what he did that next? He showed him a video of himself raping and beating a 72, that 72-year-old 72 lady. He showed it to his, yeah. his buddy. So he said, effectively said, I know what happened there. And then he showed it. Well, what an animal. But would you not agree that's not enough for the German police to conclude that she's dead? No. So in other words, what I'm saying is they have to have more. No, they have to have more, and whatever it is, they're keeping it back. That's normal normal police mm. work. You hope that it's something more significant than what we've been talking about. Uh, I'll mention Mark Williams Thomas because I watched his documentary not long ago. Um, he is a former police officer himself, an investigator, and he is he's effectively ruled out uh, Christian Bruckner and said that based off his own investigation, he thinks that Christian Bruckner uh, is a false lead. Uh, he has he interviewed uh, Hans Christian Walters, the German prosecutor, in that documentary, and he went all over Pride Deluge and and uh, and Germany as well into the areas where uh, where Bruckner lived, spoke to people that knew him, and the the key thing about this mobile phone, he found that the area that it was pinging off, it didn't exactly suggest that he was right outside the Ocean Club in Praia de Luz, that he could have been miles outside of it. And then even that number, uh, whilst it's been connected to Christian Bruckner, apparently others had access to it and he, he also used multiple other phone numbers. So cast doubt over whether he was even using that particular phone on that particular day. So there's a lot of doubt. And then the, the biggest thing of all is that Christian Bruckner claims he has an alibi, this woman who says that she was with him on the night that Madeline disappeared. And he actually tracked that woman down and she said that she was indeed with him. She's not connected to him in any way anymore. She's got her own partner and she wouldn't, she was too terrified to even appear on camera. But I think through her own partner, she confirmed that she was, and she's got apparently no reason to confirm this She's no no particular relationship with Christian Bruckner now, but she says she was with Christian Bruckner at the time. So if all of that is true, then that rules him out. See, and Mark Williams Thomas is an excellent investigator. He broke the whole Jimmy Savile story. If you remember, 
there was a whole internal kerfuffle in the BBC and then the people brought it to ITV and Williams Thomas did it. But before that, he, you're right, he was, I think he was a Met Police, but he was, a, he was he inve- effectively investigated child sex abuse. You know what I mean? He was a real top-notch investigator and always, I've always had an, uh, uh, an awful lot of respect for him. So he would be of the belief that Bruckner wasn't involved at all. Yeah, it was based off... You know, uh, like, uh, and and he, let's not downplay his credentials here. He obviously has them, and he did a bit of detective work, and he wasn't able to match up based off the information that's publicly available. Uh, that to to definitively prove that Bruckner did it. So he has actually gone out and said that he doesn't believe, uh, that the police have the right man. Um, he also has contact with Bruckner. He's been speaking to him from prison. Um, and and so he he seems to be maintaining that this alibi may hold up but he did also say there is information that the germans have that he doesn't have that no one has and perhaps that's the most crucial evidence of all let me ask you did did he did he or did he give an indication of what he thinks happened or who was involved yeah i i i've heard him say without naming anybody i mean i would just be interested i i i've heard i've heard him say that uh, speculate that uh, that she may have um, that that Madeline may have escaped the uh, apartment herself and gone out onto the road, and then that an opportunist uh, would have taken her uh, in the moment, um, rather than um, from the apartment itself. That's that that's that's his speculation based upon his investigation of it. That she that 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 may be what has happened. Um, that's pretty extraordinary to imagine uh, that somebody would just chance upon the child in the street and take her. Um, but that's that's his theory. I was uh, I I was stand I was standing outside the apartment, and if you turn right, if you're back to the apartment, you turn right. You go down a slope, not a hill, a slope for about thirty meters. And do you remember this famous shop? Yes, there was a shop, effectively part of the complex, and I, I think there'd been whole speculation and rumour that Maddie may have may have what Mark is saying escaped from the house and walked towards the shop you know but the one thing that struck me about that it was in the height of the tourist season and it was a busy enough road now I don't think there was any obviously there was no CCTV but I, I, I look and I'm going to defer to him I, I, it's, I've always had problems with that that I find it impossible to believe that nobody would have seen her so in other words, what I'm saying is it's not as if she came out of the house and within two seconds was gone. You know, there, there were so many people who would, and it was a shop and it was a busy shop and that's the start of the busy season. So I, I've always been, dubious. and I'm going to, like, while we're talking, um, I know Gonzalo Amaral has his views about the parents. Yeah. Okay. He, he, you know, and he's, and there was a libel case and uh, the family won, but then the court of appeal in Portugal, said he was entitled to his views under freedom of expression. But one thing I've always... How can I put this? How, if somebody, if, if, a, if, a parent, if a family was involved in that, how could you possibly keep the pretense going so long? And how could you be so active and so determined to find your daughter? Surely you just want it all to go away. But that doesn't, but that doesn't militate, or, or I'm not contradicting myself, look, Portuguese police looked at evidence and that evidence led them in a certain way and then they went to a judge and, you know, the, the, fam- the family are, are no longer Guidos. But 
just that whole idea, how could one family possibly do that? It, it traces credulity for me. Yeah, I, I think so. And like, I think they would have to be absolute criminal masterminds at this point to have carried out that crime, covered it up successfully uh, all these years. Um, it just, I don't find it credible um, that they had anything to do uh, and it would, based off what's out there in the public domain uh, for the last 16 years, that they had anything to do with the disappearance of their daughter. I'm not downplaying the, the I just want to clarify the fact that maybe they might have been looked at because of course they had to be looked at. But I think in the absence of any evidence, uh, I, I think you can't say at this stage that they had anything to do with the disappearance of their daughter unless you're going to present some sort of and I think they would have to be criminal masterminds. I, it's just extraordinary to believe that they would be able to keep that facade going now for 16 years. hundred percent. And just like you and I would know this, criminality works when it has as few moving parts as possible. So it's as simple as possible, right? And it, 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 it hurts my brain to, to even think about that because how could that possibly be that they would go, right, we're going to do this and this is how we're going to cover it up and we're going to mount up a campaign and we're going to, Talk to any journalist who wants to talk to us and we're going to keep talking about it because surely the thing would be to just, can we just forget it? Can we just leave it be? Can we forget about it? So that's a very big thing for me. But look, I, I mean, I don't think we're too far apart. The Portuguese police followed what evidence they had, okay? Um, there was terrible... Uh, I thought the Portuguese were treated very shabbily by the British press, I have to say. Um, but it, it's just... Sort of colonialism, you know, and, and uh, that I think Irish police have, have have experienced at the hands of British media. So that's that's all I say about that. But just that whole thing about that I, that conspiracy theory just does not hold water for me. No, I mean, either. do you think maybe the media pressure didn't help? You know, I mean, the the, the I mean, I'd say those the Portuguese police had ne- obviously they'd never seen anything like it in terms of the absolute world f- media frenzy that descended on Praia de Luz, um, and the pressure that they would have felt to get. Done. Yeah, but also, and I, I got the, it was the first time I was in Portugal. And Portugal, up until what, Portugal was a dictatorship, up until I think 1976, around that time, right? Um, and I always got the sense, so it was 2007 when I was there, and I got the sense you could still feel those, that vestiges of dictatorship. It was a very closed society. And the Portuguese police were very closed and they didn't really communicate with the media. So, you know, it wasn't like if it happened here, you'd have guard liaison officers, you'd have guardy giving statements every hour. You know what I'm saying? And even in Britain. And I just think it was too big a job for them in that sense about the, 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 the they were doing their investigation, grand, no problem. But the, the outside pressures, because they were even under pressure to make statements and they never make statements. And I was like, what? You want us to talk to the media? They just don't, you know, they just didn't happen. So it was a whole new world for them. They've obviously investigated serious crime and kidnappings and murders. And obviously, you know, and they're an expert police force in what they do. But this was another level. And I wonder how many police forces would have been prepared for that. And especially as Portugal still had the vestiges of secrecy about it. Yeah. Um, I want to, I just want to talk about as well, just on Christian Bruckner, um, his whole MO supposedly was that he broke into apartments um, and then, then coupled that with the fact that he's a paedophile and seemed to have interest in children. That's, you know, also another reason that he's been looked at because, I mean, obviously the the belief is that, that someone broke into that apartment and, and took the child either as an opportunistic thing or for whatever reason, whether, they, whether he actually deliberately targeted 
Madeline. We don't know, but that was part of his MO. And then another extraordinary thing that came out of Christian Bruckner is uh, this Irish lady, Hazel Behan, uh, who, when he was named as the chief suspect, uh, his face was all over the media and Hazel Behan recognised him um, as her alleged attacker. Um, she was raped um, in the Algarve uh, in Portugal in June 2004 um, when she was 20 years old and she recognised Christian Bruckner as being uh, the man responsible and, and that, that resulted in Bruckner coming under investigation for that as well. So that was an extraordinary development in its own right. Absolutely. Uh, I will say one thing, you're quite right, and uh, his MO was to break in, but his MO was to break in and attack people on the scene. He didn't take anybody away. Now, now, uh, maybe the, 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 the size of Madeline meant it was easier to carry away, but his MO was to, I mean, I think he's, Hazel Bean was attacked in, in, in a holiday flat. That lady who suffered the, the rape and beating was attacked in a holiday flat. So yes, but just that one, you know, if his MO is to attack people in a flat, why not attack the child in the flat? Why, why take the child? We don't know why that is. Yeah. But I mean, just given, you know, I mean, he was, he was caught with, with thousands of child abuse images that were found buried under his dead dog. You know, I mean, God knows the offences this, this sicko has uh, been responsible for that he hasn't been caught for. You know, even if, even if he's not responsible for the death of Madeleine McCann, uh, he's clearly a monster. Um, you know, uh, so so God knows what what else he may be responsible for. Um, I was going to mention there's a, a rake of his history here. You know, he 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 was imprisoned for the sexual abuse of a child. It's worth mentioning that as well. So I mean, he he has also sexually abused a child and was convicted in relation to that as well. So I suppose, what is the conclusion from all this? I mean, we we don't have the answers. I, I my, my conclusion is, I I hope the the German police are right. I hope that they're they're saying this with conviction because they have evidence that we don't know about. I am. I didn't realize that Mark Williams Thomas is a fantastic journalist and a fantastic investigator. And it's typical of the man to go and find the woman. But that's really significant. So uh, that's slightly depressing that he's right. right yeah. Do you know, you know what I'm saying there? I would, I would, yeah, it's slightly depressing because I, I would hope that he's a very... Bruckner's obviously a very dangerous man and there are loads of things that would indicate that he should be a person of interest. But we don't know about the phones and stuff. But I hope that the German police have more rock-solid information. And... I would anticipate that they probably do because they have said they believe she's dead. Yeah, the level of confidence to say that they believe that she has been murdered uh, says to me that they must have some sort of direct evidence in relation to that. And then this search also, I think, gives renewed hope. And they say they've recovered materials of interest and the fact that it's so targeted makes me think that they found what they were looking for. Obviously, it wasn't the body of Madeleine McCann because we'd know by now, but it must have they must have gotten what they were looking for now they have to do tests on it to determine if it's definitely definitely what they were looking for um so we'll have to wait and see but it's a case that continues to fascinate and uh, diverges opinion uh, even between me and you <laughs> but uh, i just think that um the portuguese police did what they did and they took 
sound decisions for what they did. Nobody, the only Arguido now in the scene is Christian Brickner. Let's be clear about that. There was another man who was made an Arguido who suffered a horrendous time from the, the press. Really, I mean, he was hung, drawn, and quartered effectively and convicted. Uh, Again, with no evidence. Uh, see, because I think British people don't understand what an Arguido is. It's just a person of interest, not a suspect. Do you know what I mean? Don't you loop me in with no, the Brits. No, I'm, I'm only saying <laughs> that people have to step back and go, right, I haven't said he did it. Mm. He's in 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 Francis B's on examen. You are a person of interest, right? So, um, I, I I look. I just I, I would I I think about Maddie a lot. I have to say, and I would hope that there is a conclusion, and I hope that the and here's another point, right? This will be my last point. Something tells me that the, the German police have something because why would they? I'm not going to say bother. Why would they go to this length that they didn't? You know, they don't have skin in the game, right? It's a different no. country. Mm. So that tells me, but just what Mark Williams Thomas there, you know, was saying about that alibi. Mm. But he's a fantastic journalist, but surely the, the Portuguese, the Germans have something. Let's hope so. Well, thanks, Mick. I think we'll leave it there. <laughs> All right. Thank you. All right.